This is Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio, a show that spotlights and features promising health and wellness innovations, enabling a sustainable and equitable healthcare delivery and financing ecosystem. Hosted by digital health advocate, author, and global thought leader Gil Bash, the show features above brand ideas, people, and companies that are making a difference. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show, and join Gil as we engage select industry talent who share their insights and best practices to enable sustainable ecosystem change. On today's show, our guest is Zachary Fink, CEO and co-founder at Vitrack, a, quote, comprehensive care management platform using AI and automated workflows to cover the entire patient care continuum. A digital health remote patient monitoring platform delivering patient or user vital sign monitoring from any smartphone or device, Vitrack, quote, empowers physicians, payers, health systems, and patients with actionable data to navigate their patient journey. The tech enables remote patient monitoring and telehealth capabilities via user-friendly dashboards and clinical triage programs that engage physicians and other clinicians with their patient population. And with that introduction, website, quote, the Vitrack experience increases patient management beyond traditional healthcare boundaries, which can help to reduce hospital readmissions and improve outcomes, end quote. And with that introduction, Gil, over to you. Greg, thank you once again for that kind introduction and also for all your efforts. We've had a number of really amazing guests on the program. Um, I I don't want to leave anyone out. I'll just say amazing guests that really cover the gamut in health innovation and patient care. Some of the people are tackling some of the thorniest challenges that uh, people in this nation face when it comes to access to innovation. And what is innovation itself? And where is it going? Today, we have a very special guest. I've had the chance to speak with Zachary Fink, who's co-CEO of a company called Vitrek. Vitrek, which is dealing with remote patient monitoring. Remote patient monitoring during the whole COVID experience obviously became, I would say, you know, part of the SOP of care, but not quite. And uh, Zachary, or I hope he doesn't mind my calling him Zach, are going to explore some of the challenges to the technology, to the uptake on the provider side. Certainly patients want it, you know, why don't they have it? And, and what does this look like in terms of the back end of remote patient monitoring? Uh, I, I just wanna give a caveat here that one of the most frustrating elements I think that anybody who has a health concern faces is sometimes just getting a hold of their uh, health provider, health professional on, uh, on a regular basis and, and not feeling that we're, you know, we're sort of like trying to reach them when we're worried or concerned, but trying to really tap into some of the modern miracles of the technology that, that's in our hand. It's a smartphone, perhaps, or a flip phone, perhaps, or a telephone, perhaps. But you know, how do we use that which we have in our pocketbooks or backpacks or pockets? How do we use that to actually stay in touch with our health providers and track where we are? Zachary, welcome to the program. It's great to have you here. And I just want to review for a second a bit of your background, because you come from really a long line of, uh, of health professionals. I think if I remember correctly, your, your, your father is a physician, that um, you started out as an EMT. You have a sister who lives in Israel, who's a nurse, 
And I think your mother has been involved in medical billing and medical health information. Do, do I have that correct? Oh yeah, you got it. I, I didn't even want to do healthcare. It's just in my genes. I don't really have a choice. It's like a biological imperative at some point. <laughs> yes, your, your dad said, Zachary, you can do whatever you want in life as long as it's in health. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I was like, you know, I'll take over the family business. And I was like, but I'm a doctor. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> well, you know, as you once said to me that as a child, you spend a lot of time in the waiting room at doctor's offices and that you had, I think it was asthma. Um, and, you know, it was, it was fairly serious because you were really being treated on an active basis. And then later on, you become an EMT. I'm just curious because, you know, that's pretty arduous frontline work, uh, being an emergency medical technician. What, what, was, what, what happened that said, hey, I'm going to be an EMT? Yeah, uh, I, I think a lot of it came from the fact that I've been very, very lucky to see healthcare from a lot of sides. Of course, that takes some hindsight, especially starting off first and foremost as a patient. As somebody who needs the innovation, I grew up with the really the worst asthma most doctors had seen. During my last lung function test, it was my lung function came back as that of an 85-year-old female. I tested out of the male category. That's how bad. So growing up, I was on every experimental drug, every trial, which meant a lot of time in physicians' offices. And I kept looking around and seeing all these different spaces within healthcare that I was being introduced to and saying, this could be a little bit better. Why does it have to be this way? Maybe because of some innovation I could create, maybe it won't have to be like this for the next person who's in my shoes. And I just started from a very young age to become really interested in the entire healthcare process that when I finally got to an age where I could act on it, the first thing that I wanted to do was get into the front line of healthcare. Be there right at the moment when somebody needs help and be that person for them. So I began working for what's it's called McCormick Ambulance in Los Angeles. They're the only ambulance contracted to answer 911 calls in LA. So you're seeing uh, what I would say is the more interesting parts of healthcare. But then it always got to the point where you deal with these patients and you'd work with them sometimes in really really dangerous or life endangering situations. And you'd put them through those two doors of the hospital. And then I got really curious about, well, now what? I just spent all this time trying to deal with this patient, resuscitate them, make sure they're alive. And then you never hear about it again. Did it work? Was your intervention successful? And then I got lucky enough to get on the other side of that curtain and then the other side of the door and then on the business end of things. So I've been very lucky to see healthcare from some very interesting angles and perspectives. You, know, you have a great background and, and remote patient monitoring has, has, um, has been something that's been happening since the mid-1970s. I remember when we were looking at um, early stage uh, cardiac function, when we were using regular phone lines, people put on metal clasp around their wrists, they put the phone back in the cradle, and it actually sent an EKG over to the doctor's office way back when, when we were using smoke and drums to <laughs> communicate between patients and physicians. Now, obviously it's, it's, it's remarkably changed in, in a very dramatic way. Um, but uh, I just wanna get a little bit behind the scenes for a second with you because you, you purposely chose with your colleague, uh, Sammy, to launch Vitrek. And uh, I've had the chance to sort of be behind the wiring of, the, of, this, of, of, of this idea and the innovation and your constant focus on how do we make this better and easier for, for patients. But, but for our listeners, 
I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about when you're speaking to health providers, their offices and physicians, and you're talking about remote patient monitoring, can you give us some of the reactions that you get in conversation when you're talking about how many lives that that provider covers and the idea that remote patient monitoring, RPM, could actually be um, an adjunct to the physician's office and, and a connective link between the office and the patient's home. What goes on in those conversations with doctors? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Those those conversations are always fascinating because depending on the doctor you're talking to at what level they are, the conversation can look and feel very different, but it all comes down to one, just one core sentence, which is now that we have data, of course, this is logical, but now that we have data that shows certainly proactive healthcare is always going to lead to better healthcare outcomes than reactive healthcare, what's our responsibility to make sure all of your patients have access to this kind of care? Regardless of where they're living, how rural it is, do they have internet access? Do they not have internet access? A lot of people can think of remote monitoring as a big technology lift when in fact it doesn't have to be at all. There are some patients who can't, maybe don't have access to smartphones, or even if they have one, they couldn't keep up with an app. How do you deal with the patient who does not have a high level of tech literacy and really looking at these different populations and figuring out how do I meet the patient where they are and give that patient the right solution for what is truly a life-saving piece of technology. And really to bring it back into the physician conversation, it reminds me of my time in medical school. In medical school, that we used to do what was called case-based learning, where they pretty much, they treat you as a detective and they say, solve this case solve it for us. And I had the same question at the beginning of every class. It became a joke. They'd say, okay, Zach, what's your question? My question was always, how did the patient get this bad? With the technology and innovation we have in the last few years, there's no reason we should have uncontrolled blood pressure. There's no reason to have uncontrolled blood sugar. There's there's really one reason why those things happen, which is lack of oversight. And if you can make that oversight really easy to do and really easy to implement and say to the doctor, here's the thing they're most scared of is they're going to have more work. The point of these systems is not for the physician to be touching them. The physician is already overworked. They're overburdened. They don't have the time for this. How do you create a solution which provides better oversight for the physician, better patient care for the, for the patient, while also not increasing the physician's workload? And that is a lot of our focus at Vitrack is really looking at each of those individual points and saying, how do we maximize our value at each step in that process? I just, I, I had a chance to visit the, the Vitrack app. I downloaded it to my phone. Um, one of the things I find is the simplicity of how you're using facial recognition and facial expression and touch in order to collect data. It's almost like the, the user the user of the technology um, doesn't have to do very much in order to generate data for their physician. And that's obviously purposeful. Uh, you, you, you and your team gave that a lot of thought, but could you bring us back behind the, the thinking process? You wanted to make it easy for the physician. You wanted to make it easy for the user, the person we call, we're always people, we're sometimes patients, but the person we call a patient, you wanted to make it super easy for them. Um, talk, first of all, a little bit about your experience of making it easy for the person who's using the technology. And then I'd love to 
sort of like get behind if you could explain to us, once physicians say, Vitrack, we're on board, um, what do they have to do to make this accessible to those people who need, who need to be connected to their doctor? So talk to me a little bit about the mindset about how you developed the platform to make it super simple. And then also how does the doctor bring it into conversation with their patient community? And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Health Unabashed on Healthcare Now Radio. Our guest is Zachary Fink, CEO and co-founder at Vitrack, a comprehensive care management platform using AI and automated workflows to cover the entire patient care continuum. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it really stems from something that you said, which is not looking at the individual as a patient, but rather as a pers- as a person create really great technology for people who happen to be patients, right? Nobody just is their identity as a patient. You're a person first. And as a person, we need to create the right technology that speaks to you specifically. And for what I found in my personal experience is that the future of the remote monitoring industry needs to lean to become as passive as possible for patients. So we do collect vitals in a lot of interesting ways, especially when it comes to access to care, but access to care again exists on the spectrum. So of course we have access to care when we're talking about somebody who may not have a high level of tech literacy, maybe doesn't have internet access for those patients. We can give you a cell-based device. That's a medical device with an actual SIM card embedded in there. So there's no app, there's nothing to download. Every time you take a reading, as long as you have one bar of LTE cell service, we're gonna get that reading immediately and in real time and code it as green, yellow, red, mild, moderate, or severe, and be able to respond. But looking at access to care in another interesting way is not everybody has the money or the time or the efforts to go out and, and afford a real medical device, a piece of hardware. So we figured maybe maybe a way to increase access to care is looking at something people already have on them, which is a smartphone, and utilizing the capabilities already existing in a smartphone to gather vital signs from a patient. When we look at the patient journey, we look at it in two ways. There's subjective data and objective data. We use the vitals readings for the objective data. How is a patient doing from a vitals readings perspective, but also subjectively? We'll ask you questionnaires. We'll push you education. We'll get some feedback from you. But the more interesting piece here is how we're using the smartphone to gather these vitals. What we're using is the infrared light on the phone using something called PPG, our PPG technology. And what that's doing is it's measuring the distance of light from your phone to your under eye area, the most translucent layer of skin on the body and measuring for different levels of perfusion. And through that technology from a patient in under 45 seconds, we could get a heart rate, a pulse ox, a respiration rate, and most importantly, I would say is a stress level. So that stress level is not just how happy or sad a patient looks. It's actually measuring their HRV, their heart rate variability, which means the time in between their heartbeats in a calculation with their heart rate, how fast that heart is beating in a calculation, with their respiratory rate, how fast they're breathing to come up with an actual data point for mental wellness. And what this does is it lets us view healthcare in a way that it really hasn't been viewed before as much more holistic picture of all right, we know this patient has a chronic condition. And for so long, we've been thinking about how does this chronic condition affect a patient physiologically? But so often the conversation is missed about, well, how does this chronic condition affect a patient's mental wellness? 
Getting diagnosed with a chronic condition certainly does take a, a toll on mental wellness. What does it mean to live with that condition, being on new medication, changing your lifestyle? Now that we can actually create a data point around that, that we can measure day over day, week over week, month over month, and see how that chronic condition is also affecting your mental wellness. Now we're truly looking at a whole picture of what a person or a patient is really going through. So I, I want to, there's two components I want to ask you about. So let's, let's deal with the first component first health disparities, particularly in terms of senior care. And, and so what you're saying is, if I understand correctly, you, you considered digital literacy in the development of the technology. Is that correct? Oh, certainly. And, and we really, where we, where we broke our teeth on was an area called El Centro, California. And in this area, you're dealing with real healthcare disparity. You're dealing with a lot of social determinants of health. And in these areas where we really broke our teeth, we came across so many factors and variables that we really had to take a look at ourselves as a company, ourselves as providers of really proactive healthcare and say, there is no excuse not to create a solution that works for every single person we come across. And from that, I think we've realized that now because we've really worked on that population, there is no population that we can't handle at this point. And the other question I had is in terms of one was health disparities. The other aspect is um, the, the advance of the technology itself, you know, listening to that of, of, of looking at a certain element of the eye to collect all these data points. I know that you and your colleagues, and I don't want you to divulge data that will be published someplace. But, but I know that you've been collecting data from, from our sort of pre-call conversation. You've been collecting data from clinicians that um, is publishable data that you, you're going to seek to publish. Could, could you share a little bit without jeopardizing the publication of the data? Uh, talk about the validity of the technology in terms of identifying patients who have risk factors. Certainly. And, and, you know, I was just uh, before this call, I was talking to some of our more frontline healthcare workers, the ones really doing the clinical oversight for a lot of these patients. And I was talking to them about, I, I want to talk about some of our success stories, some of the real tangible moments that you've had interacting with the patients. And I know there's even some of mine, for example, and these are kind of things that aren't quantifiable. And certainly those are really important. For example, the area we were speaking about, El Centro, it's part of a bigger area called the Imperial Valley. We've seen since we've really started understanding how to adapt, our adherence metrics shoot through the roof. The, the patient engagement go higher than we've seen really from a lot of other other ways to try and tackle proactive healthcare. And we think we've really cracked something interesting here. So for example, one of the very first patients when we were out there that I onboarded personally, I was onboarding this, uh, this woman's grandmother and she was standing there and I'm explaining the program and I look over at her and she starts having tears in her eyes. And I was like, what did I do? Did something go wrong? And she, and it turned out she was driving almost 30 miles a day back and forth every single day to come to her mother and measure her blood pressure, see if anything was going on, and then going all the way home. With our program, she said, you're giving me my life back. I don't have to come out here twice a day. If something goes wrong with my mom, I'm going to know. But more importantly, I know that her clinician will know and can respond and do something about it. And even today, right, when it comes to the engagement and the adherence piece, we had a patient who 
was just, according to the doctor, historically non-compliant with taking their medication. There was nothing he could do to get this patient to take their medicine. Once this patient got on Vitrac and he could start seeing the data points of his blood pressure coming in, and he could very clearly see the days he took his medication and the days he didn't, real time affecting his metrics. Now he is one of our most compliant patients we have because he's seeing in real time what his compliance to what the doctor wants him to do does for his health. Actually, not just going back to the, an appointment six months or a year later and saying, how am I doing? Oh, you're doing horribly. He's seeing how he's doing every day and understanding that taking a, a medication is a now vital part of his daily plan and routine. Uh, so so we, we, we've talked a little bit about health disparities, uh, location. We've talked a little bit about patient sort of engagement or adherence as a result of combining technology with the, the physician's directions. directions. Um, I, I want to explore a little bit, though, um, need. The, the, the need of the patient community and the system to really maximize our touch points of care, to reduce the friction points between the visit to the doctor and the patient the person being in their home, seeking to adhere to the doctor's regimen or direction and, and, and the reality of what really happens. Um, you, you know, you'd say in, in listening to our conversation and the simplicity, I mean, obviously there's a lot of thought and um, effort that goes on to behind the scenes in developing the technology, but, but in terms of our interface with it, it's very simple. You know, it's, it's very easy to access. Why is it that more physicians don't implement a remote patient monitoring um, protocol within their practice? Particularly, I would say this is a way for primary care medicine to reassert its importance on the health landscape of this nation. I, and I would completely agree with you, especially from the perspective of a primary care provider. And I think what we're understanding now, especially in a post-pandemic world, is that healthcare was never what happened in the nine-minute consultation you had with your healthcare provider. Healthcare is what happens in all of those other minutes outside of that consultation. And it's understanding that real healthcare is capturing those minutes and making them meaningful and turning, turning all that data that we're gathering into a really easy to tell story for that physician. So when it comes to physicians who are still, uh, what I would say, resistant to adoption, really every single time I have a conversation with a physician, it's most of the time we are just challenging the current conceptions they have of what remote patient monitoring is. Some of the biggest pushback we get is it's going to be so much more work. I don't want to learn how to do a new system. In fact, I don't want to know possibly what's happening with my patients when they're out of the office. Sometimes that's too much liability. There are, those are really, I would say the three main arguments. And from our perspective, what we really, what we kind of coach the, the physician through is number one, the only time we're going to ask for your attention is when we certainly need it, right? We understand that healthcare, it's a team sport. It's not just you, doctor. There are medical assistants, there are nurses, there are NPs, there's a whole, it takes a village really to do patient care. And we can make that village much more efficient. That's kind of one of the bigger tenants here that we just really have to impress upon the primary care providers out there is that it's not all on you. And if we do need your assistance, it will only be when we seriously need it. 
You know, my um, my friend, um, our, our industry friend, also uh, John Nasta, who's been a guest on this program, often says that culture crushes, squashes innovation, and the culture of medicine is obviously you know deep and storied and fixed. And it's it sounds like the biggest challenge you have is not actually the technology you're developing or the ability of the technology to perform for for people who have health concerns. It's the culture of, of the healthcare system is resistant to to change. You know, and as we wrap up our, our time together, and I wish I always wish this program were an hour long and not 26 minutes. I'm wondering if you could just give us some high points of where you see remote patient monitoring going in the coming year. Yeah, I I think as we keep getting more and more data, the more data that comes out, we're just finding so definitively that dealing with the healthcare issue and catching it the moment it starts to deteriorate rather than waiting and waiting and waiting and then reacting to that issue. When we do that, when we can proactively deal with an issue rather than reactively, and the data is just getting more compelling and more compelling every day, we're understanding that patients are living better, healthier lives. We're saving so much money for these systems. We're avoiding hospital readmissions. I think at some point for the PCP community, I would hope that this innovation is something that would become much more normal, become much more standardized. And from the patient's perspective, most of the issue is not educating the primary care provider about what they what they should be doing as a healthcare provider in 2022. A lot of it is about educating the patient. What should they demand of their provider? What does it mean for someone to truly be a caretaker of their health? What does that mean for the future of healthcare? So I believe that you're going to see a wide normalization of this kind of technology. And then the other piece that we spoke about earlier is it will only be successful as long as we can keep figuring out how to make all the vitals and data and information gathering as passive as possible. The more data we can get without creating a burden on the patient, the more successful we'll be in creating a health ecosystem that exists outside of the clinic. No, Zach, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You've been a sort of an advocate, not just for the company that you represent, but for the category. And I do think that remote patient monitoring um, is needed more than ever. And you know, we have many problems that we will be addressing on the program. The, the problems of, of the health of rural America, where people don't have ready access to their health professionals, people who um, have rare children or people with rare diseases, who live far from their centers of excellence, who need to uh, bring forth data. You've been a champion of, of elevating all of those issues. It's been a thrill to have you on. Zachary, thank you. Greg, always my friend, thank you for your leadership. Thank you both so much for having me on the show. And really, it's, it's an honor to get to serve these incredible patient populations and try and make healthcare a little bit more healthy. And thank you, Gil. That's a wrap for today's broadcast. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in and our special guest, Zachary Fink, CEO and co-founder at Vitrack, a comprehensive care management platform using AI and automated workflows to cover the entire patient care continuum. For more information, go to www.vitrack.com and do follow Zach on Twitter via at thinkingoutloud, number one, and Vitrack Health, respectively. You can learn more about Health Unabashed on the program page at healthcarenowradio.com. 
We air weekdays at 10.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., and 2.30 a.m. Eastern, or for you left coasters, 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Do keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via at Gil underscore Bash, and that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters MPH, and that's Greg with two Gs, and do remember to tag your tweets with hashtag health unabashed. Until next time, stay unapologetically passionate about improving health.